0: we are not breaking off smoke signals we are still coming back at you regularly uh for now at least Uh, i'm justin latta joined by willie hood this is smoke signals willie how you doing
1: doing good justin thanks for having me again
0: thanks for coming back and, and not cutting off Talks to do the podcast. I know you had a busy week last week and some respects. And I, I was sick last week. I didn't have any major illnesses, not any more than common. We won't get into that, but uh, it's good to be back talking about baseball. But unfortunately, the uh, the first thing I have to talk about is the Francisco Indoor news again. And apparently he has decided to end contract talks with the Indians to focus on the season said that the Indians and he did never, never did come close on a price, which isn't a surprise. Uh, he said that he was not going to take a Christian Yelich like deal. And that he thinks that the most jarring comment was he thinks that the Indians could pay him what he's worth and run a $120 million payroll and they could still be a competitive team. Uh, fans did not like hearing that. And I really don't know where to land on this because the numbers are the numbers. I mean, I know you were tweeting about it and Anthony cash tweeted about it that no team has ever um, made the play. Or won one world series while committing what, 25 to 30% of their payroll, one player. Um, and I really don't think it's going to be the Indians, not with the Dolans as owners. And I think they were hoping he would take something in the Christian yellow range, and he did not. So they'll go in the 2020 season and hopefully don't have a slow start where they're forced to trade Lindor. What, what are your thoughts on the, the news, which I don't think is all that surprising other than the extra comments that were added to it.
1: Yeah, no big surprise. Um, I think the thing that is telling that Lindor said he was going to cut off extension talks in early March and he held true to his word. Um, also floated out there was a, a $300 million deal, which he said he was never offered. Uh, you can't expect that from the tribe. I I don't see Dolan paying anyone 300 million. And I think he's already commented something of the like. Um, but to, to, uh, hear that news that he's not willing to talk and he's focusing on the season is disappointing as a fan. Obviously, uh, I would love to see him finish his career with the Indians. I, I think we're winding down. We'll see how these next two years play out. Um. But uh, not surprised that he's not willing to take a Yelich-type deal. I mean, Yelich is three years older, I believe, and, and has had a knee injury. So there's other factors for Yelich, and he really enjoys playing in Milwaukee. Um, Lindor says all of the right things. He's been prepped very well by his agent and their PR team. And he is uh, really running a school on how to address this situation, I think. I think a lot of people could take notice and follow suit after what Lindor's done. He's put a lot of pressure on the tribe. And in fact um, he's maintained all of his leverage. Why would he say that he doesn't want to play in Cleveland? Uh, Because he would be ruling out a a potential home in free agency once he does hit. I think he's doing the wise thing on his behalf, which is to keep all options open or at least make them appear that they're open. At this point, I I just don't see anything getting done, as disappointing as that is. Um, Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, uh, maybe the TV deal comes into play. I'm not quite sure when that ends. I've heard 2023, I've heard 2027. If it's 2027, I I think it's done for. If it's 2023, that could be the game changer that uh, allows the Tribe to make that type of move.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2023. I, I I haven't seen 2027 anywhere else. I know there's a whole lot of information floating around between that and their stadium deal. So that could get confusing. So maybe it is twenty twenty seven. Um I would agree with you on that, that playing in. I would also probably guess that there's probably no chance unless the Indians probably came over as asking price. I mean, he claims he knows his dollar value and his agent does too. And I'm sure they know the number they want. Um, you know, this is his agent is David meter and Francisco Lindor is his first, his first big client. Um, I don't really know any of other David Meader's clients, but I'm fairly certain this is he is the most high-profile. Uh, Lindor is the most high-profile client he has, so it was probably always a good chance he was going to free agency because that also benefits his agent um, and his profile to get more big for uh, big players and, and land bigger contracts. And I think Lindor wants positional commission there for him. Right. So there's, there's more, there's more motives at play too. And I don't think, so, like I said, I I think if the Indians would have come over his asking price, he probably would have signed, which we know wasn't going to happen. But I also, I think Lindor wants to be a free agent. I'm not saying he doesn't want to play in Cleveland. Maybe he does. Um, And if the Indians, you know, end up being players in his free agency when he gets there, maybe he will. But I I think part of him wants to be a free agent. It's kind of like LeBron in some respects. I think he wants to be, quartered he wants to go through the process i think he wants to see what's out there and what other teams think he's worth and he also has said he wants to play with friends um you know it sounds like lebron too i don't expect to see lindor on a tv talking to jim gray and telling us where he's taking his talents in front of the world um but i i do think i do think part of lindor wants to reach free agency and not only that it's good for you know, the players, you know, we talked about it before. It's good for the players union. You know, and, and I think there's some pressure there for him to do that as well. So, him now they can't, but I think there was a good chance it was never going to happen unless they showed up with a, you know, a 10 year, $4 million offer, which obviously would have coincided with the Dolan's, uh, yeah, winning the lottery. I mean, Lindor said winning the lottery. So, uh, yeah, that was never going to happen, but we'll see what happens. I think I think the only thing is, people, like I said, people got upset over the comments from Lindor saying the Indians could pay him what he's worth and run a $120 million payroll and be a competitive team. And maybe, maybe that's true. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's the perfect PR play for Lindor because – what are the Indians going to come back with? You can't, you know, drag your superstar under the, under the bus. Um, and you're not going to go out and talk money and refute his facts because that opens up a can of worms to talk about payroll in a way that teams don't generally talk about payroll. So Lindor pretty much, it, it's kind of like the, uh, have you ever seen the movie eight mile where Eminem comes out in the first verse at the end of the, end of the yep. movie and he pretty much makes fun of himself and, and leaves the other rapper with nothing to say. So he just chokes and is booed off stage. That's kind of what Lindor just did to the Indians, I think. I think he came out and said everything that he could possibly say and, he, and, and left the Indians without any rhetoric because, you know, he pretty much backed them into a corner where they can't say anything publicly. That's kind of the way I look at it.
1: And I think the only way they could respond is open up their books and, and Dolan's not going to do that. I can't say I blame him if I ran a business and it was a professional sports franchise. I wouldn't open my books up to the public either. Uh, but as you said, I think Lindor has handled this masterfully. He has really put it on the Indians to, to pay up or he's going to take his talents elsewhere the way it's looking. Um, the 120 million dollars. I don't know that that's such a uh, just random number that he's picking out. I think he's adding another 20 million to his salary right now, which is 17.5 million. So that put him about 37.5. I I think his floor is probably uh, Garrett Cole's 10 and 360 million. When he hits free agency in two years, he's probably going to reach that or exceed that somewhere between that and then uh, Trout's 400.
0: That's probably fair. And the only last thing I have on this, um, and I'll let you finish up too, is the Indians did cut the payroll. I mean, they're going to be down in payroll again this year from last year, which is very confusing, considering you think they would want to maximize their uh, roster while they have Lindor for not $35 million a year or whatever it is in the last two seasons. Um, But my only thinking is, you know the, the the Brewers did kind of do something similar where they did cut payroll the last two years, and it wound up allowing them to keep Christian Yelich long term. Again, we we did mention those are different situations; they're not extremely comparable. Other than that, that um, market yeah, size. the market size is extremely similar. I mean, Milwaukee might as well be Cleveland North, um, but it, it's very different situations where that in the career. But I kind of, part of me wonders if the Indians pared down payroll a little bit and hoping that Lindor would take $20, $25 million a year to stay, and they were trying to hold that space open for him, and then when he just didn't um, budge on, like you said, 30 to $35 million or $36 million like Garrett Cole got, then they, they took a gamble and – cut payroll to try to keep them and it didn't work out that's that's my only theory there's nothing to back that obviously but it kind of feels like what the brewers did and i could imagine the indians trying to do that because i do think i do think the indians and and the dolans do think that lindor is worth the contract he's talking about and i i think they were trying to get something done and i think it just you know they weren't willing to go above 20 25 million and they earmarked that space, the payroll for it, and he didn't he didn't bite in the offer and now they're paying for it. I don't know if that again, I don't know if that's true, but it's a theory.
1: You know, um you and I haven't even talked about that, but I actually agree with you. Um I, I mentioned yesterday on Twitter about the Indians pivoting from this point on, because I don't think anything will get done with Lindor now. Um maybe they repurpose that money because I do think that they have set some aside with the intent and the purpose of extending Lindor if they can, but it also gives them an opportunity to potentially lock up Clev or Bieber um, and JRAM. Uh, you have that money free. You can always repurpose that and, and try to get some of them locked up, um, but I had the feeling too that they were in hopes that they would get something done with Lindor and who knows? They may have offered something close to, to uh Nolan Arenado. I don't remember if it was two hundred and sixty million or two hundred and eighty million. But Lindor said the offer never reached three hundred million. So what if they offered two ninety? What if they offered two seventy? And he's saying, you know, I want 10 years at 35, which puts him up 350. But I really think Eric Cole's 360 is gonna be his floor. So I, I think he's gonna be looking at 30, 35, dollars not thirty, but thirty-five to thirty-seven million per year once he does hit free agency.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that'll happen. It might take a while to sign it. I think people will think that he's overplaying his hand, but I think eventually he'll get that for sure. Aaron, out.
1: You know, I look at him. He, he he should be the face of MLB. I mean, he he loves the game. He's constantly smiling. The energy, the positive presence that he has, the charisma. He's a bye. Bi- uh bilingual team leader he's an excellent defender has power potential i mean just great all-around player easy top five talent yes he had some issues with runners on base last year but when you look at the whole package of the player that he is off and on the field the charisma and everything that he brings i mean he he should be the face of mlb if he weren't in cleveland if he was in new york city if he was in los angeles he'd be getting hyped up um he would be compared to Trout and Mookie Betts and and these other guys who have played for these bigger market teams.
0: Yeah, no, I think everyone would agree with that. I mean, he is literally everything any baseball team or the sport would want. He is the total package and it is really a shame. He won't spend the rest of his career in Cleveland because he might go down as the, one of the best five players ever drafted along with, you know, Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez and, you know, guys of that generation and, Probably the best player the Indians have had since Grady Sizemore. So it's a bummer. I would like to see him finish his career here, and and you know I wish there was was more spending um, to be able to get that done. And you know, as I try to separate a little bit from being a fan, from being a writer and, and a podcaster, that uh you know it's just kind of out of out of the control, and and we'll see what happens and. You know, if from the Indian standpoint, you hope that they continue to to turn out talent. I, I think really what what you look at is their best chance. If they're never going to make these make these kind of deals, their best chance to to get somebody beyond their only what six or six and a half years of club control is you know if they offer a player you know eight eight years before they even call him up, like the White Sox did with Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez. You know, you you get a guy to sign a contract before he even steps on a major league field. And that way you, you buy out two years of free agency before he even gets called up. But who knows if Lindor, you know, maybe the Indians did offer him something before he came up and he said no. Cause you know, he had the signing bonus. He had the, he eventually had the new balance deal. So he's always kind of had money to bet on himself with. So who knows if he would have taken that, but that it seems to me, that's the only way the Indians are going to, get guys beyond six years do they draft and develop as if they they do that
1: yeah I agree it's disappointing I think it's the nature of the sport right now and we'll see where the new CBA takes it to Um, with players wanting to to shorten team control uh, I think that could be devastating to the smaller mid-market franchises but really that's another discussion (laughs) in and of itself
0: It'll be, I'll be interested to watch what happens too because when Lindor goes to free agency, the CBA is going to be up. So that adds another wrinkle to it as well. So we'll see how players are paid by them too. In non non contract news, um, Framil Reyes is injuring baseball. So the Indians are dealing with less injuries since last time we talked in theory. Uh, but Framil Reyes is injuring lots of baseballs. That's a good sign. I think there's a very good chance he could hit 45 to 50 home runs this year. I'm not even kidding. If, if the ball is still, I don't want to say juiced, but if it's, if it's still, uh, you know, got wacky seams or whatever's going on with it, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fran Milray at 45 to 50 home runs this year.
1: Yeah. I initially had him at 40, but after seeing the spring, I'm saying he's hitting 45 or more yeah, and 50, 51 would not surprise me with his power. Um, He's a big, powerful man, as is 6'5, uh, what 250, something like that 255. Could um, be new, and that's after he dropped about 18 pounds. So,
0: yeah, it did well for him. Maybe he could be, you know, he's always smiling and, and singing too. So, maybe he kind of takes on some of the fun, lovable traits of Francisco Lindor. Only three strikeouts in 29 plate appearances, by the way. He has more home runs than strikeouts this spring. That's uh, that's scary. Because if, if he cuts down on the strikeouts, that's a big deal for for Framel Reyes.
1: <laughs> and another thing, there is he's playing against the other team's regular starters. Um, he's not facing A type of talent or A type of talent. I don't I don't think. Uh, I mean, I haven't went back and checked, but usually your first couple <laughs> of innings of games, uh, you get you get regularly regular. Um, MLB players in there and regular MLB pitchers in there because the coaches just want to get their, their guys ready for the season. So I think he's doing this off of the guys he's going to be facing p- throughout the year.
0: 7.3 opponent quality score. We'll talk about that more when we talk about the real, uh, the bullpen as well. That equates to just above double a uh, baseball references, quality of opponent rating. Um, yeah. List of seven at double a, eight at triple a and 10 at, at major leagues nobody ever gets a 10 because uh, unless you face like one batter the whole spring or face one hitter um, because guys are just shifting people in and out. So nobody ever gets a 10. Usually everything I, I was looking up, everything's usually in the six to seven range. Some guys get into the eights, but it's hard to to get anything above an eight consistently. And if you're if you're getting regular at-bats or regular innings in spring training with this opponent quality score, you never get above the eights just because guys are Getting days off and working out and, and doing other stuff, so I wouldn't put too much stock into the, the number. But yeah, I would agree his numbers are coming off of major league players, so things are going pretty well for him. Carlos Garasco has mild elbow in, uh, elbow inflammation. Uh, I haven't seen anything on this since Francona talked about it, uh, but Francona didn't mention that it's normal for him to have that after the first spring start. Uh, so we'll see what, what comes out of that. Uh, the Indians were off on Tuesday. <coughs> Excuse me. So getting over Michael. Um, so we'll see what they say Wednesday when they come back, he was going to do weighted balls. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I would kind of think that he's not going to start the season on time just because there's only two weeks left and he's only made one appearance. It, it, even if he's ready to make a start in a couple days, He's gonna get what three three outings in and max before opening day. I would have a hard time. Thinking he's gonna be ready yeah. for opening day.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, the mild elbow inflammation. Francona seemed to downplay it. I think it's probably something related with Atomic John. Probably gets a little tendonitis and an inflammation in there. They need to doctor it. Just give him some rest and, and um, make sure that the inflammation doesn't get out of hand. Uh, but as you said, at this point. is probably going to be off to a late start it's disappointing um hopefully uh Logan Allen or Jeffrey Rodriguez just step in there and take his slot uh you know I mean the tribe's going to be home early in the season and and I think uh they have a a little room for error because of the weather I, I think there'll be a start or two where they miss because of uh rain delays or uh being snowed out. You mean the weather
0: won't be good early March in Cleveland or Detroit? I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't think it's going to be 65 and sunny like for the first. Okay. I'm looking at the schedule right now, Detroit, Chicago at home, Detroit on the road, Minnesota on the road, Tampa Bay at home, Detroit at home, Boston on the road. And I think they go to, yeah. So there's really in the, in cold weather States the whole month. So you, you don't think it's going to be like perfect weather in early March and late in April. <coughs>
1: not a a chance
0: (laughs) yeah that's I mean that's okay I I think the Indians actually should take the approach with Carrasco that you're not going to get 180 innings out of him I think if you plan to get 175 innings or 160 innings out of Carrasco and you just take it easy and you try to make sure that the, the 160 175 innings you get from him are the best he can give you you'll get better quality out of him instead of trying to get into 200 and i know they traded.
1: i, I agree <laughs> i agree um i mentioned that with tristan mckenzie uh, about a week or, or so ago and i compared him to the yankees um james paxton who has exceeded 150 innings i think once in his career but he's still a pretty well-regarded middle of the rotation arm and i think crasco being in his early 30s he can can still do that you know we've talked about the leukemia diagnosis and stuff and i think they'll stay in front of that giving him tests and stuff Uh, i think this is just normal par for course aches and pains as uh early 30s pitcher goes you know and he's logged some innings these last few years so you're gonna have this and this is what spring training's for get the guy in here let him get going um hopefully he's able to get healthy and, and be ready early in the season um but fortunately it's nothing significant um You know, we're not talking Tommy John surgery and he's going to be gone for a year and he's not going to be out with uh, another bout with the leukemia again. So we're just talking mild elbow inflammation. This could be a couple of weeks that he's down. And, and, you know, as I said, maybe he starts a little bit later, but the Indians have some depth depth arms that they need to, to get a look at. I would rather them be out there early in the season when they're potentially going to be missing starts than when the good weather's there in the summertime.
0: Yes, we'll we'll get an update on that, I'm sure, uh, as the Indians get back to work Wednesday and the rest of the week. Oscar Mercado left the game last week with a wrist injury after he rolled over his left wrist, diving for a ball, but it seems like he came out of that with just a sprain, which the Indians really dodged a bullet there, but we'll see more updates on that. Uh, Regards to the outfield, uh, I know you had some conversations with people on Twitter about it. Jake Bowers has 11 strikeouts and 28 plate appearances this spring. As far as uh, you know, spring training stats go, it's been a rough one for him. And the Indians really need—it seems like they really need a left-handed hitting outfielder. If you're going to—if Mercado's ready to go on opening day and center, and Luplo's in left, and Reyes is in right, you know, you would think Mike Freeman. <laughs> I mean, I—I jokingly, well, I actually wasn't a joke because I remembered that Francona said like really early in camp that Freeman was going to get some work in the outfield. And I thought, well, I guess if he can play the outfield, there's your extra left-handed hitter. Not that he really does much, you know, for me offensively. I think he's he's fine as a utility infielder. But if he's – he can't be, you know, your platoon guy. You can't platoon him and, and, you know, Santana or Luplo. But the Indians really could use a left-handed hitting outfield. I just just can't see Jake Bowers – having the confidence to come north and play in the cold again and do any better than he's doing now because he's just struggling this spring. Like, I mean, I know it's spring stats, but he just looks like he's not finding whatever he worked on over the winter. And it's hard for guys to get going offensively and, and have confidence when it's, you know, 35 degrees and, you know, heavy rain in and, and April and March. I don't know how that's going to work for him.
1: Yeah, uh, the 7Ks in a row, and then I did notice the the next game after that, though, he was 0 for 3 but didn't have any strikeouts, which, I mean, is a good thing. I think he drew a walk. Maybe he's trying to work counts deeper and stuff. I don't know exactly what the Tribe had him working on, so it could be part of that. Uh, They wanted him to be more disciplined at the plate, but right now, I mean, he looks like he has a ticket to Columbus, and I joked about, you know, maybe they should send him to, to Akron to rebuild his confidence a little bit. Um I don't know. I, I'm wondering where the left handed bat's going to come from. I wish Bobby Bradley could play outfield and, and see where Ooh. he uh, would would go from there. but I mean, he's fringe average at first base, so no threats of him being in the outfield. If, if he's in the outfield things have gone way around.
0: Boy, that's that's a bad state. I mean I I would like to see them give Daniel Johnson a chance out of camp. I actually didn't look up the stats for this, but um I guess I can real quick.
1: Low low two hundreds average right now. Uh, I think it was like two twenty five. Um, I, I wonder though, when you bring in ten guys to camp, and how how much quality at bats are they getting? You know, um, there's so many outfilters out there right now, and I mean, they've talked about Ray as being in the outfield, and he's barely been in the outfield. I think he, I can I can think of two occasions that he's played left field so far, and, and Santana's been over in right, and he's not been very inspiring with the bat yet. So. Uh, hopefully uh Domingo gets warmed up.
0: Yeah, I'm not too worried about him just yet. We'll see what happens. Bobby Bradley is raking though. He does have three homers and six strikeouts and twenty-eight plate appearances. Um his opponent quality score is six point eight, so not far off of what Reyes is, obviously. Um but yeah, I just don't see him taking the team out of spring training because I I don't know who's gonna play for uh Santana needs a day off, which he normally never does. But I don't know who's gonna play first. Game
1: right now I guess uh Freeman or Arroyo Arroyo when he was with the Giants they had him working in the outfield I don't know if he ever actually uh, appeared in any games but I know he uh he did some work out in the outfield for the Giants and maybe he could switch over to first base I don't know if he's ever even played there so I would say it's either Arroyo or Freeman and I think Freeman does have a first base glove according to Tito something I read on MLB.com I think uh he has a series of gloves, including an outfield glove. So let's just hope he doesn't really. have to catch his
0: glove. Yeah, I guess he's the emergency first baseman for all that purpose. And then if Santana needs a couple of things off, who knows? But uh, Arroyo is having a good spring, hitting 368, Uh over 1,000 OPS, 6.8 opponent quality score. You see these are all very similar. Uh, I don't know who's going to make between them. It all It just sounds like Freeman's a foregone conclusion to be on the roster. I'd like to see them be able to keep both, but – at the same time, you know, Jose Ramirez plays almost every day. Lindor plays almost every day. Cesar Hernandez has played 161 games the last two years. So it's like, and, and if you're going to rotate Fran Mil Reyes and Domingo Santana in DH, you're not really going to give Lindor Ramirez or Hernandez days off at DH. So where in the world do those guys even play? It almost makes sense to see if they can play the outfield because I don't know where you're going to get days off for them uh, to play in the infield. So I i mean, the Indians don't have a real big margin for error, so I can understand why those guys need to play every day. They need them to be at their best, but you would think over the long haul, those guys could use a day off or two. And I would think Arroyo provides uh, a good option in case they, you know, you do finally get them off their feet, but, it almost never happens, and I don't know if they're going to keep both, but if they do, I wouldn't be opposed to it.
1: I think Arroyo's hit his way onto the team. He out he's, of options. I mean, yeah, that's, that's another factor. They picked him up knowing that he was injured last year and bringing him to camp. Obviously, he was supposed to compete for an, an infield job. I don't know if it was for the utility or if it was going to be second base, but you're talking a, a former – top 100 prospect there too and that's what 25 26 years old so he's still relatively young and and he's been haunted with just various injuries from my understanding um maybe he finally taps into that and and the indians are the beneficiaries of it and he's just a a fine utility man for them um in a lesser capacity because he's playing that utility role I, i tend to think of a utility spot being for an older guy like freeman but freeman doesn't bring a whole lot of you know, tools or anything in particular to the team. He's just, uh just a uh, solid vet that's not great at anything, and there's a role for that, and that's why you know he's potentially going to make the club. Yeah,
0: Francona likes him. I it just, it just seems like it's a foregone conclusion he's going to make it, and.
1: Yeah, we, we talked about that, I think, on the last pod, that Freeman just seemed like he had a ticket to climb, or Cleveland And he's, already, all, he's not on so, the
0: 40-day roster, so they um, have to make a move to add him, too. So that really complicates things.
1: Um, I, I was thinking about that the other day, though. But they could um send Naquin to the 60-day DL retroactive to the start of spring training. True. Although so, progress, that, that though. would basically knock – about 30 days off of it
0: for him. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see him being back in April, but he is making a lot of good progress, it sounds like. So, then when Naquin's ready to come back, that'll change things a lot, too. And they won't be able to carry both of those, and that'll help out. Um, bullpen situation, too. Real quick, we can run this down. Uh, and, and this is spring stats, so it doesn't really matter, but it's just worth putting in there. But Cam Hill in, in, in uh, five innings of work has a 180 ERA, uh, 6.9. Opponent quality score. Anthony goes nine strikeouts, three walks, uh, six, three, five ERA and five and two thirds, 6.3 opponent quality score. Karinchak and uh, five and two thirds innings, nine strikeouts, five walks, which is, you know, scary. Uh, 6.8 opponent quality score. Hunter Wood, who has finally pitched since last time we talked, uh, three and two thirds innings, a 19 ERA, two walks, two strikeouts, a seven opponent quality score. James Hoyt, <clears throat> five and a third, five strikeouts, two walks, a six seven five ERA, a seven point three opponent quality score. Dominic Leone, uh, twelve ERA, six strikeouts, no walks, five innings, a seven point one opponent quality score. Uh, Phil on five strikeouts, three walks, six point nine opponent quality score. If I had to pick today, I think we determined last time that what there's three open spots in the bullpen. Uh, out of the eight, if you count, was it? Whitgren, Hand, Perez, Simber, that's four. So that's four open spots. Am I missing somebody?
1: Green uh, I think okay, it's probably so be in
0: there. Your daily pick three, I'm going with Cam Hill and uh, I guess Hoyt and Maton. But I'm thinking Cam Hill could break camp with them. Uh, they really like him, and then the other options are just not inspiring. I don't know. Hunter Wood just – maybe they go with Hunter Wood for a couple weeks, and then they call up Cam Hill like sometime in late April. He'll be the first guy up. Uh, I don't see Dominic. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm thinking. I think he may be the first guy up. And, and Wood, um, he, got to, he got a late start to, to camp, so I'm not quite sure what was going on. I never did hear if it was injury or illness or, or what was up with him. But Hill is the guy that they seem to be hyping right now. Um, I know Zach Neasel mentioned him today in his recent article of guys that have looked uh, really good in camp and that have impressed him. Um, I've seen him pitch twice in the spring games that I've watched, and I thought he'd look pretty good. He was elevating his fastball and then dropping his curveball in there, and that curve looks like it's going to be an above-average pitch for him. And I think he also has a change that he throws on occasion, too. Um, but that fastball velo spiking up above 95 now and reaching all the way up 97 98 on occasion you know uh, Tommy John surgery has benefited him coming back stronger and hopefully this year he uh, rebounds with his control a little bit that's usually the last thing to come for somebody who's had Tommy John so uh, maybe they're they're betting that he's going to continue to improve his control as well but I, I think it's Another factor in there, too, is that, you know, he's looked good. And, and somebody like Wood, who they picked up late in the season off of waivers or, or off a, a small trade with the Rays, you know, uh, maybe Wood ends up on the DL for a little bit. It's worked, whatever's going on with him out. And they get uh, Hill on the roster because it looks like uh, Clace is going to end up or Class A, I mean, um, looks like Class A is going to end up on the 60-day DL if they haven't already done that. I, I Haven't noticed if they did, but that would provide an open spot for Hill.
0: Yeah, that'll be an easy roster spot to open. He won't be on, he'll be on the 60 day for sure to open the season. I don't know, maybe, maybe give Wood some more time, but uh, the one game I saw him pitch, he didn't look super inspiring, but it's hard to tell with spring sometimes. I thought, I thought Mayton has looked good at times. I thought, I think Goes is the interesting name here. You mean, Cam Hill for sure, but I think Goes is the interesting name. I think, he said to frank kona this week that he finally feels like a pitcher and i think yeah. he's i think he needs a little bit more time and some reps in minor leagues to iron things out but it wouldn't surprise me if if by may or june he's up in the bullpen here if he gets it, it's hard to have a lot of guys in your bullpen who walk people if you're going to have james carranchak around you better just expect he's going to have a you know a somewhat high walk rate, but he's going to be able to race some of that. It might be kind of hard to carry ghosts at the same time. You need more strike throwers, but man, his stuff is, is really good. I mean, he just throws the heck out of the ball and um, he looks intimidating. I know he's not the most uh, friendly, not when it's like friendly, but he's not the most uh, uh, engaging person to talk to from when I gather or, or to be around, but He throws 100, and his stuff moves, and I think he intimidates batters. So I think that's a guy you might see on the roster at some point this season if if he does ever find a happy medium between his stuff and the command. I don't know if the Indians will expect him to be a a strike thrower like a, a Nick Whitgren, but if he can just pare things down a little bit, man, that's some good stuff to put in your bullpen, especially from the left side.
1: Yeah, it's rare to find a lefty throwing that hard with, with that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I think they're going to have to give a little bit. He's probably not going to give up a whole lot of hits. So any base runners is going to be guys he puts on. And he's kind of like Grinchak in, in that he's going to put guys on, but he can also blow people away. Evidenced by his nine strikeouts in five innings, you know, almost a, the same lineup as Grinchak. And in fact, Grinchak has more walks than Ghost does yeah. at this point. And, and uh, you know, another factor there is Ghost isn't exactly facing the best of of the uh, other team when he's in there because his opponent quality is only 6.3 right now. But I think he's flashing for a guy that's recently converted from outfield to the mound and has only reached double A. Uh, yeah, he's 29 years old, but he's also played in the big leagues before. He knows how to attack a hitter because he was a hitter, and he's got some nasty stuff. You know, I, I'm thinking June, July, he'll be up. He's just got to show he's got co- some control, and the Indians are going to want to want to see what they've got in that arm. Injuries will hit, ineffective, ineffectiveness will hit. It's just things that happen. So they'll give him an opportunity at some point, so long as he isn't he isn't looking like uh, Ricky. <laughs> maybe maybe
0: that's a good thing. You know, maybe he'll he'll he already looks kind of scary. Maybe he'll just scare some guys and get some strikes or some yeah. bad swings that way. But it's really fun to think about a bullpen of, of Brad Hand, provided he's, you know, first half Brad Hand or closer to that than he was the second half. Uh, James Karincheck, uh, Emmanuel Class a when he comes back. Anthony goes and maybe Cam Hill. That sounds like a really fun bullpen to see what you've got. It may not be the, the most, you know, sure thing ever, but, you know, if you find a comfort level for any of those guys, you've got yourself a pretty nasty... uh Punch in the back end of the bullpen there that we haven't seen since, you know, Shaw, Miller, and Allen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some nasty stuff. If they can just get the walk rates down, if they can get walk rates to to four and a half, I'd be a happy man. Um, I'm concerned they're going to balloon above that, but you know, I mean, Krenchak is just going to blow people away. He's he is what he is. He's nasty. He runs that fastball up and then, and then drops that nasty curveball in there and people just stand there confounded by it. And, and, you know, a good reason. Um, he, he will probably be a popular guy for the pitching ninja this season. Uh, hopefully he can get the uh, control lined up a little bit better, but I think he's just about a sure thing with the, lack of other
0: options and just the nasty stuff. That James Kerenshack is a a star w- walking around waiting to happen. He is just a very interesting person. He doesn't have much to say, but he's a funny guy when you watch him out of the mound and he's already turning into gifts everywhere. So I really hope we see a ton of them. There. He's got that moxie, that charisma on
1: the mound. Exactly. Oh, he's he's entertaining. I think
0: fans will enjoy watching him once they see him pitch a little more regularly. Um, speaking of fun guys to watch, Mike Clevenger, threw a bullpen yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, reportedly was thrown 96-97 on flat ground. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss that many starts. I think uh, there's a good chance he's back sometime in April. I mean, he's already thrown bullpens and we're still two weeks away. I wouldn't be surprised if he manages to get an inning or two on the mound in spring training before the team leaves for Cleveland or Houston, I guess. They're going to Houston first before they come to Cleveland. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him start a game out in Arizona before the before camp breaks, and then you might see him get, you know, two, three, maybe two starts with Columbus or something, and, you know, he's back for the second homestand, which might be the first homestand with the way the weather is. Who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, think Clev is probably going to miss a start or two. Uh, I don't care. I'd rather he get healthy you know, save that arm for the, the back half of the season. Hopefully, you know, if winter comes, I hope uh, it pounds during the times when he's out, you know, so uh, he'll be healthier for the, the back stretch there. But they mentioned whenever he was first injured that he was going to be able to maintain his his uh, throwing routines and stuff. So, you know, maybe there's not so much buildup, probably more pitch count for him, get him to 75, 50, 75, 90, or something like that, and then let him go. And and they can work that up as the season goes. I don't think you have to to get him beyond five innings, anyways. Just work your pen. You got that extra pen arm this year. Yeah, just depends who
0: that's going to be. Especially when you already have maybe you know Carrasco not starting the season on time. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. So the back half of this podcast, we wanted to break into the top fifty prospect podcast. Um. Will had the good idea to do it in half. So we're going to do the back half here, 50 through 25. We're going to talk about it in groups of five and give some quick notes on that group of players. And then uh, the next time we do this, you'll hear 25 or 24 through one. Um, just so we can split it up a little bit and, and and get one out there. Cause I did promise we would do a podcast on this uh, before things uh, time, time runs out on us for, Uh, ivi whoever knows what's going to happen. I don't really have any new news on that uh, that we're really ready to share right now, but uh, we'll see what happens on the next podcast. But uh, you did mention too, and I'll bring this up before we start our podcast, Logan Ice, who was a second round pick of the Indians um, in 2016, has decided to retire. He was a catcher uh, who went to Oregon State, had a really good junior season offensively, was a good defender, uh, never really did much offensively in college, except for that one year and not with the Indians, but uh, you know, best of luck to o- Logan and finding something new and whatever he's decided to move on to, but you know, kind of a blow for the Indians as far as catching depth and in, in the minors. not that I, I don't think Logan ice was ever a, uh, a major league prospect, at least not anymore. We did have him at 40 last year um, just for the defense alone, but the bat just never seemed like it was going to carry him, but best of luck to him. And I'll be interested to see how catching plays out at double a. Cause uh, man, the Indians don't have a ton of catchers up in the mid minors. They have a couple of guys that are going to be playing at Lake County and Lynchburg. And obviously, you know, Bo Taylor and uh, uh, somebody else at triple a, they signed, but well, maybe Legion or not, I'm sorry, not Lee Jenshu, uh I just want to work this name in uh, Gili Gila Kung Quan will probably be a triple a. So, that's about all the catch.
1: I'm not even going to try to slaughter that because I would. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Ruff was another guy that they assigned a 31, 31 year old catcher that played with the Phillies. So he's got some big league experience. He probably ends up in AAA and uh, somebody's going to end up back down in Columbia, or back down in Akron to fill that.
0: Yeah, slot. So best of luck to him. And okay. i the top 50. So the first grouping we had Kyle Nelson at 50, Mitch Longo at 49, shortstop Jose Pastrano at 48, uh, third baseman Jordan Brown at 47, Jose Tena at six, the shortstop at number 45 was left handed Raymond Burgos. Um, you know, initially I had come up with this list with uh, Michael Kuva, who I think finally was ready to tell people he got a job with the Indians. Uh, so kudos to him, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's uh, official, great, so uh, congrats to Michael and, it's public- you know, appreciate you stepping in halfway through this process to evaluate and help out and write, but I know you initially were not involved with the back half of the list and you have your own list. So why don't you just tell me from this group of five, uh, what you think of some of these guys, a name that sticks out and how it compares to, uh, kind of the list you had come up with yourself initially.
1: Sure, in in the list that I came up with myself, I I just kind of sat down one day and wrote it, rewrote it multiple times. And and once I hit that 15 through 40 on my list, uh, there were several of these guys who fell off and and a lot of them that fall in this 40 to 50 range that we're gonna talk about today. Uh, You know, I look at the tribe system and there's, there's so much depth. I had a lot of these guys you know, I'm, I'm not a scout by any means, but I had a lot of these guys with very similar grades from like 15 to, to 40. I gave all of them at least a 45 type of prospect grade, And then once you start hitting around 40, then I was getting around uh, a 40 prospect, which is kind of fringe average uh, major leaguer, a guy who will get a cup of coffee but never really be an everyday player. Uh, you're talking more back end uh, back into the rotation type of arm who may be useful, but, you know, uh, not a long-term type of uh, starter for guys or for for teams. Um, When I look at this first group of five, of course, Jose Tenna, he sticks out because Keith Law has him as high as number six. I had him just outside my 40. Um, I think MLB.com has him around 20 right now. A lot of variation in, in these guys. As I said, a lot of them are going to have similar type of grades. That, that He's so young. He's so far off. He's very athletic. I think he's a utility type, maybe a, a Jose Ramirez type of guy, as far as his build goes, uh, being 5'9 and a buck 60. And he'll put on some weight, and hopefully it's healthy weight. I, I like the bat. I think there's uh, some athleticism there, uh, probably above average type of power, average bat. I think he ends up maybe as a second baseman. I'm not sure he's got the arm based off of what I've seen. And I haven't been to Arizona to see him. So I've seen him on video and and usually I'll watch every video on a guy that I can find. So uh, there's a little information behind my, my comments on him. Uh, Ray Burgos. He really intrigues me. Six, five bucks, 70. The Indians got him. I think it was back in 2016 as a 17 year old from Puerto Rico who was very raw. Had to have Tommy John surgery. He come back throwing low 90s. I think it was 90, 92, and then started to peak up a little bit higher, 94, 95. And has touched 95, he uh, he had that elbow in- injury again last year where he had the uh, stress fracture. That's not uncommon for a guy who has Tommy John. Um, the elbow gets too tight, and it puts too much pressure on the bone, and the bone ends up just cracking or having a, a minor Track in it and they usually will fix that with a plate and some, some uh, screws but uh, Burgos is fastball from the left hand side. I, I think the sliders coming along um, I believe he throws the change up as well He's a guy that really intrigues me. He's someone I think that can really jump if he can stay healthy and if, if he has future arm issues I could see him being shifted to the pen and being a quick mover that way but I think there's uh, some big upside with that fastball and Like I said, he's 6'5, a buck 70. He gets up to 190, 200 pounds. He could be topping 97, 98, 99. Um, Like Anthony Ghost, that we mentioned earlier, who's who's really just slinging it from the left side. So Burgos really intrigues me. Um, Jordan Brown, he was a a draft pick from California last year. Uh, One of these guys that was, uh, I believe, a two or three sport athlete. I think he played football and basketball out in california uh, very raw as a baseball player uh shows some average above average pop but he's got to make contact for him to to make it um jose pastrano he was signed i, I think it was from venezuela for 1.5 million dollars so he was the big bonus baby for the international class last year very athletic i like the arm um the bat shows some some promise. He looks like he's got quick hands and he's a guy that projects to stay at shortstop. So he could be, he could be a, a future, um, shortstop for the Indians at some point, assuming he makes it. And he's got a long path ahead of him. Um, he's a bloodlines guy too. I, mm-hmm. I believe his brother has the same name, just a different middle initial. And I think, he yeah, plays I it either it the works, athletics huh? or the angels, uh, Mitch Longo, Mitch Longo, um, uh, an Ohio guy here, you know, I, I think he's topped out Columbus and that's probably where his career will end. Unfortunately, if it, if he doesn't go on to another organization Um, he looks like an org type guy that that high, but just doesn't really have the upside in the ceiling. Uh, Kyle Nelson. I really like Kyle Nelson. I've heard different things, but when I've seen him pitch, I've seen him 90, 92. Um, I think I saw a 94 one time on a, (laughs) on a uh, ball. (laughs) But uh, I, I've heard that he, that he throws higher, but I've never seen anything higher than 90-92, really. Um, then he's got that slider. I think he could be an option for the Tribe sometime this summer. Uh, 50 sounds like a low ranking. It's hard to figure some of these guys who are going to be more middle relief type. Um, they end up dropping in rankings, especially with the change in, in the, uh, with the new system or the new three batter Uh, yeah i agree
0: with you i think nelson kind of profiles that seventh inning arm i think he's good enough i think the slider has enough spin it's a high spin slider for number one I've, i've had at least one person tell me in the organization that he has one of the highest spin sliders um that's come through at least akron so far so i know he's got that going for him that can help him play against both sides of the plate so i do think he can be an option this year um, but i mean he's really just a seventh inning guy so it's hard to rank him any higher but you know when you're developing you know seventh inning arms in your in your own draft classes and you don't have to go outside from the organization and get that you know whether it's off of waivers or a trade you know that's there's some value there so that's good I agreed on long ago oh,
1: yeah. anytime you can get a lefty Anytime you can get a lefty that will help you, at least in the pen, I think you're getting value, especially when the guy comes in as like a 14-round draft pick. You know, you didn't spend a, a whole lot to get him in there, probably $100,000, 125000 to sign him and get him developed. And he's pretty quick turnaround. I believe he was drafted in 2017 or eight, or I think it was 2017 from uh, UC Santa Barbara, same school <laughs> as uh, I almost said Justin Bieber, <laughs> Yeah, Shane Bieber.
0: Yeah, same or school. No, he, he was their closer <laughs> uh <clears throat> for that team. So the unions definitely saw them at the same time. So yeah, I agree on there. Longo, unfortunately, just never developed the power. Uh, you know, could hit has a good hit tool, doesn't really hit enough. Um, and is really a corner outfielder. Nice dude. I saw him play in high school. He was a great high school player, has hit everywhere else, but just not a lot of power. Uh, Pastrano and Brown, I, I know the least about, you know, those are guys I had to watch a lot of it out. Um, I'm com- I like Pastrano as a utility guy, mostly in the future, Brown, you know, the Indians are starting to bet on some of those more athletic types. They're trying to pivot to athletes and see if they can kind of use that athleticism to help them pick up areas of strength and, um, focus on weaknesses and eliminate those just with their raw athleticism so i kind of like that approach uh Tenno, like you said was was number six on keith laws list with so much variation on him i love i do like the think the bat speed has a chance to carry him offensively um i don't know what level that ends up being at but i agree with you he's probably a second baseman long term but i mean we'll see what happens when he plays stateside a little bit more it's hard for me to rank a guy so heavily when I've only seen him in limited limited spots and on video. And um, you know, he just doesn't have much of a track record yet. Burgos is my favorite guy from this group. Uh he pitched really well at Lake County last year. Like you said, good fastball, good slider, gets with 95. Um, unfortunately did have that stress fracture. Also bilingual, uh, was a very willing translator for us last year at Media Day. Um, talking to, I think we talked to him and Luis Oviedo, and he was a very, very willing translator, which is always nice to have, um, so he can vouch for his character, which is always a big thing for the Indians, too. I really have a lot of hope for Burgos to fly up this list if he can put together a healthy season. Uh, that's my real pick-to-click from this uh, group of five that we just talked about. And Like I said, if he's healthy, he could be a top-30 prospect. Uh, next group, we have Will Brennan at 44, an outfielder with a lot of contact skills. Uh, John Kenzie Noel, a first baseman who has played some third base, but is a massive human being with a lot of power. Kind of reminds me of Eli Rodriguez. Uh, 42 outfielder Corey Holland, a raw Texas outfielder who uh, has some sneaky upside and some sleeper status. He puts the tools together. You know, he could be a, a center fielder with some leadoff skills, but there's a lot of things that have to go right for him to, to realize his potential, but you know, one of those guys that has that potential. So it's worth ranking him somewhere. And, and I, I, you know, on the odds that does come together, he can provide a lot of value. Adam Scott at 41 starting pitcher, uh, another guy you can potentially see up on the list in the future and could become some kind of sneaky. I don't want to say Aaron Savali or, sack police type. type and maybe like an eli morgan type where he serves as a or an adam plutko where he serves as a sixth starter and you know maybe fills in as, as an injury replacement fifth starter for a while and carves out a decent career doing that um but he does throw a little bit harder than than uh plutko does, does and he's left-handed so that gives him some intrigue and then at 40 of oscar gonzalez an outfielder who is allergic to walking but puts the bat on the ball and um to me as a future dh if he ever makes it he's not really equipped for the outfield he's you know it's funny he's not really a big body dude like he's six to a buck 80 um so it's not like it's a, a shape thing and you look at him he looks like he's athletic but man i just every time i've seen him play the outfield he just doesn't move all that well and, and like i said he doesn't ever walk and uh there's some power there but he just he swings at too much crap and makes contact with too much crap pitching then he never gets to it in the game. And it's hard for me to see that profile ever making it. But like Colin, you know, if if things ever come together, there's some value there, even if he is just a DH. Yeah,
1: I look at Will Brennan and another guy that was drafted recently. He was picked in the eighth round last year. Uh, by the tribe from kansas state he pitched a little bit in college was up to 92 at one point as a left-hander so he's got a good outfield arm maybe he's a defensive replacement type guy i think he's got an average maybe above speed uh and a good contact bat but not very much power um i don't know how you say this name young kensi no uh a guy they signed when he was six foot two, I think a buck 80, something like that. And he's now about six four, two forty, two fifty. four 240 50. He's he's a mammoth of a, of a man. And, and my understanding, it's solid video. I see of him. He's got raw plus power. He's just going to smack the heck out of the ball, put it over the fence when he does make contact. That's the thing though. If I recall, he had a strikeout rate up above 30 and, uh, you know, Sounds like a flame-out type of guy to me at some point. I'm pretty high on him because of the power. Hopefully, he's so young that he'll be able to uh, learn the strike zone a little bit. Maybe he'll take some walks and end up being another Bobby Bradley right now, probably more of an Eli Rodriguez type of guy. Uh, Corey Holland, he was a a pretty well-hyped guy from VA. He was, I think, top 200, top 250 from VA. Uh, a few years ago when he was picked and he lasted after after the uh, bonus pool rounds and they paid a little bit extra to get him signed. I believe he signed for 500000 Something like that. five five hundred five hundred twenty five thousand. 525000 um, So they went out and, and made an extra effort to get Holland in. Um, so they see something they like there. I, I think there's plus, plus, plus speed there because he's, he's just so fast. Um, I, I don't see much power ever from him. He's not going to Ever really drive the ball out? He might be just a few home run type of guy. And if it clicks for him, you have yourself a, a top of the order bat. If it doesn't, you know, uh, he doesn't make it out of double A. Um, hoping the best for him. Adam Scott is a guy that I really like. Uh, not a sexy profile. He's not going to blow people away. Uh, just a good solid lefty that may end up the back of a rotation type of arm could end up as a middle reliever. That's always a floor for a, for a pitcher. I hate saying that. It, it seems it seems like wash, rinse, repeat, and you say a pitcher could end up in the bullpen. Um, I think he could end up at the back end of a, a starting rotation, uh, especially being a lefty that can touch 92, 94, and he's got a, an above average slider. And you throw in a curveball and a change, and maybe he can uh, sequence enough and use his pitching, pitching ability to to keep hitters off uh, off of his stuff enough to get some strikeouts and to get some ground-ups. Um, Oscar Gonzalez is a, is a guy I'm a little bit higher on, largely because of age and performance. But, uh, you know, he's a guy, I say, prospect fatigue. He's been around for a while. He's been up in rankings. He's been down in rankings. In the last three years, he's dropping. Uh, I think that tells you where his trajectory really is going. Um, didn't look good in, in Akron. I seen him a couple of times on MILB TV watching him, and he looked good a, a couple of times. Made a, a good strong throw in, and hustled after the ball when I saw him. It, but you know, swing and miss. He's got he's got to take some walks. <laughs> Hopefully, he can take some Benadryl and improve. Yeah, you know, I think it, I walked, forget
0: so. how many played appearances into the season last year he didn't work a walk but it was like i want to say closer to 80 to 100 it was it was pretty deep-ish into the season yeah and and his, the the team really up, knew his teammates knew when they finally <clears throat> when he finally worked a walk they asked the umpire for the ball and they they did like the whole thing with him at the end of the game so his uh, inability to take a walk is pretty well known among his teammates. So that's, that's a a part of his profile. You cannot miss when his teammates are giving him, you know, razzing him over uh, his first walk of the season coming at the end of like April or something. Not always a great sign, but yeah, he's interesting. Uh, Next group of five, Nick Sandlin at 39. Uh, We know a little bit about him. I think we didn't talk about him as an option in the bullpen, earlier because yeah, I don't think he's he wasn't invited to major league spring training and he had the forearm injury last year so we'll see what happens to him but there was every expectation of him being in the Indians bullpen last season uh had he not gotten hurt so you know maybe if he stays healthy this year that could happen again um but it's interesting that things have kind of slowed down on his on the talk of him for that so um we'll see how healthy he is going into the year I haven't heard anything otherwise but who knows? Uh, Kurt Riccardi at 38, another guy who could be a back-end arm. Uh, misses some bats. Interesting arm angle, fastball slider. Uh, and most interesting note for me on him, I don't know if he'll ever make it. He's got some pitchability, but uh, he played quarterback in high school. And his offensive coordinator at his high school was Brett Favre. So always interesting there. Uh, the Indians do love quarterbacks as pitchers. Zach Plusek was a quarterback in high school. Uh, 37 outfielder Jonathan Re- Rodriguez. That's the guy I really like. Is um, a long-term prospect. He's got a lot of interesting tools. He's six-two, corner outfield type, um, switch hitter, has some on-base ability. Uh, has really got to work loft into a swing. He doesn't show much power right now, but he could just because of the of the frame. Um, but somebody I, I do like to have an interesting career, you know, but it's going to be a slow burn with him. He's very young and raw. Um, but, you know, the Indians love those guys that are young for their class. So you might not see him even at Lake County until later in the season. Ray Delgado at 36. Uh, we have him at second base. I know he's played <clears throat> some shortstop. I don't know where he ends up on the infield. To me, he's kind of a utility guy, but um, another guy that walks more and he strikes out which the Indians love, and that always gives him some ability to get himself on base and, you know, be a selective hitter at the plate. So I'm interested to see how he develops that profile and adds to his bat and where he ends up on the infield ultimately. And then at 35, we have Brian Lavastita, a catcher, who is kind of a hit-over-glove catcher right now. Um, Kind of a slow mechanically catcher, decent arm. Um, He's not a bad blocker. Uh, he's got some work to do behind the plate. I imagine he'll be in Lake County splitting time with Yainer Diaz uh, at catcher uh, come April, but it definitely seems like he's got some offensive ability. Who do you like from that group?
1: I La strikes me as a guy that probably going to go under the radar for a while. He was a, Shortstop in high school, community college, he converted over to catcher. So he's relatively new. I think he's only been catching for two, three years now. Um, you know, he, he played shortstop. He's got a decent arm. But with the change in the, in the uh, robo umps being introduced into MLB, I'm, I'm curious if, if catchers don't have to be such a solid defender back there with Pitch framing and all of that. As long as they can somewhat control the running games, and teams are are running a lot less than they used to, uh, you know, maybe the offensive profile helps carry him. I, I think he's at least a potential backup major league catcher at some point in his career. Uh, he needs to needs to work on his catching skills still, but uh, I like the offensive profile from him. Going to be a high average guy, or or he's looking like he's going to be at this point. I, I like uh, Ray Delgado. Uh, you said second base, he plays second, he plays third, plays shortstop. Um, I think ultimately he could probably just end up at second base, be more of a, a um, offensive type of second baseman. He's not a great defender, but I think he's solid. Uh, Rodriguez, toolsy, strong arm, right fielder, um, very young for the class when they took him. This is like they're, they're developing him almost as if he was an international prospect. Uh, I think, you know, he probably ends up back in Mahoning Valley. Maybe he gets some time in Lake County, like you said. Uh, McCarty, I'm not quite sure that he's five foot ten. He's a smaller guy. Um, interesting lefty, though. Who knows? As <laughs> they say, maybe he ends up in the bullpen. And then uh, a bull, a bullpen arm for sure, which is Nick, Nick Sandlin. Um, the Indians drafted him. and he, he had pitched some in college at Southern Miss as a starter. Uh but he was immediately placed into a reliever role for the tribe. And he brings all those, the different arm angles had that uh, elbow injury last year. I think it was June or July that shut him down for the season. And, and he ended up having surgery. I believe he no. had a, a or some screws placed in his elbow as well uh, mm-hmm. from a stress reaction. So similar, similar to Burgos, um, probably why he wasn't invited to big league camp. They're going to give him the extra time to heal up. Uh, but I think that he, if if he's healthy, I think he's an option in in June and July. And we've already mentioned three guys, three or four guys between Hill and Sandlin and and Ghosts uh, and Kyle Nelson that could be summer call ups. And then you have Class A coming back, so there's some depth in the Indian the system there. But uh, you know, I, I think with Sandlin, he's just got to get healthy, and from there, I, I think he could. Bring a, a bit of a uh, different look for the tribe, especially with some guys bringing in some velo. He, you never know what kind of arm angle he's going to bring. I believe David cohn used to do that when he was a, a starting pitcher uh, years ago. He would change his angles up, and, and Sandlin does that as a reliever, changes it up, and then he can get up to ninety four. Uh, he's an interesting arm. Definitely, yeah. I mean, the fastball
0: and slider are so good for him for healthy. sure. He gets up to ninety three, ninety four from the side, so that's always good to see and. I did see him in Lake County mostly as a side armor, but then we'll do the the high three quarter thing and he'll various deliveries too. So he's athletic, interesting. I really hope he's healthy because if he's healthy enough, he's definitely a, a setup type arm. There's, there's some very Joe Smith qualities to him um, and throws a little bit harder than Joe Smith. So I really think that, um, you know, people have kind of lost track of his name because of the injury. I remember when he got drafted, Everybody on draft night was like, well, this guy could be in the bullpen, you know, by the end of the year. And that was uh 2018. So I and nobody's gotten prospect fatigue from him, but you know, he got hurt last year. But I think that kind of you know, caused him to fall off the radar a little bit. But if he's healthy, I think he's he's close to being ready, uh, to being that sixth or seventh inning arm and maybe more. Uh the next group of five, we have Hunter Gaddis, number thirty-four starting pitcher who uh, kind of got some helium last year in his velocity. I think he's up to 95, 96, I saw reports on. Uh, not a guy I know a ton about, but a college arm that the Indians love, has some command, and um, velocity is starting to pop up. So that's the name. I know you like him a lot. Yordis uh, Valdez, an infielder uh, who was a high pick last year at 33. Uh, not really sure about his future other than kind of sounds like glove over bat, but we'll see. Uh, 32, Richard Palacios, a shortstop, uh, another high contact guy, some walk over strikeout numbers, uh, who had shoulder surgery last year. So we'll see how the Indians play with him this year. Uh, but a really interesting athlete. I believe he's a switch hitter. Is that right? Or just left-handed? Oh, we should know that. That's not good.
1: He's 32
0: his profile is already out there. So, you know, we got it right. We wrote it. I don't really know um, off the top of my head now, but an interesting athlete at shortstop, if he's healthy uh, 31 is junior saying, put another shortstop who we have listed it in field. Cause I don't really know where he's going to end up. I don't think it's going to be shortstop long-term uh, interesting bat there. And then at 30, Ernie Clement, who we know is really a second or third baseman who uh, makes a lot of contact, not a lot of hard contact, but, uh, plays around the infield, potentially could play some outfield if the Indians ever go that route. And um, runs hard, plays hard, and is the future Mike Freeman. Who do you
1: Clement? Yeah, definitely. I think you you pegged him for sure. The the future Mike Freeman there, um, Junior San Quentin. He is a a guy that they spent a million and a quarter on. They obviously like him. He's strong, athletic, has a lot of pop in the bat, very interesting. Um, I think he could end up in a corner outfield, maybe right field or third base even if he stays on the grass. Um, Palacios, you know, that plus speed that he has, the, the labrum injury that he had last year, obviously he missed time. I still like him a lot. Uh, the injury dropped him some for me, but he's a guy that I think is going to move relatively quick and can be kind of an offensive uh, second baseman. Doesn't bring a whole lot of power, probably below average, maybe average if he gets into it more. Um, but he's, he's pretty strong and athletic guy. Uh, Jordis Valdez is a guy the Indians really like. They plucked him in the second round last year, uh, paid a million dollars or so to, to bring him in and they see him as a future shortstop, but, uh, He's got a lot of rave reviews for his defense. Everything I see, he looks really good at at short. Um, I know Jeff Ellis comped him to uh, Jose Iglesias as a type of floor, and I think he means that as a compliment because Iglesias is is a solid player. No, he's not great. No, he's not a a superstar or an all-star every year. But if if he reaches that level, I think the Indians would be pleased with him. Um, relatively new to switch hitting too. He didn't pick that up until I think the last year of high school. So he's raw, young for class. Um, Hunter Gaddis, a guy I really like from Georgia State. Big frame guy, six five, almost six six, I think. Um, multiple pitches, above average control. I I'd heard he was up to ninety seven last year, but sits more around the the low nineties, up to ninety four, and then can flash higher. But uh, if he's hitting 97, as I heard, then, you know, the Indians have themselves a, a very
0: interesting Yeah, Gaddis is right. for sure the most uh, interesting one of that group to me. Uh, we'll see what happens with him where he ends up this season. Next, our last five in this group that we're going to talk about, uh, we got at 29 outfit of the uh, Tom, who had a great year at AAA last season. Um, I think he was a little miffed that he didn't get put on the 40 band roster and didn't get taken in the, um, rule five draft. I really thought he was going to get taken in the rule five draft. I think he's at least ready to compete for a job, even if it's just a fourth outfielder role. Um, I don't think he ends up on the Indians roster just because they need a left. Maybe they could use left-handed hit early in the year, um, but I don't think that really gets him out of the roster in April. Um, I do think ultimately he's a fourth or fifth outfielder, but he's got some interesting tools that, um, you know, might, Played solidly on a major league bench long term. You know, he can run a little bit and has some pop and can play center field in the pinch, but really is mostly a left fielder to me. Uh, 28 outfielder Alex Free as Free big kid, a lot of tools, um, really interesting bat. Probably a corner outfielder long term, um, but another guy that has a lot of upside, but has a lot of bust potential that could flame out really early. Um, but you know, it, with the amount of tools and potential he has, we have a 28, 27, Scott Moss kind of falls into the range of, uh, I want to say Adam Scott, but a little higher than that, because I think he could be a fifth starter, um, and have more of a long-term role. I just don't know if the command and the secondaries are good enough to earn a long-term rotation spot, but I could see him having a couple seasons where he you know, fills in a hundred innings or so kind of like Adam Plutko and another guy that could also, you know, shoot. if you've heard this before, but a full pen kind of role, two pitches, uh, Sam Hentges at 26. I think we're a little bit down on Sam Hentges. Uh So I know I kind of was last year, but I also remember um, he was introducing a cutter in 2018 and I don't think it played well last year at, Ak- at Akron Akron. I think he had issues with the cutter not having consistent shape. I think that sometimes it was acting like a slider and sometimes it was a cutter. So I think he struggled to find some consistency with it last year. Um, He needs to get, you know, I think throw a little bit harder for his size. I think his velocity lacks, I think I, I, although I did see in spring training, he was throwing harder, like 97, 98. I heard that might've been short stints, but um, he was mostly 94, 95 when I saw him last year. Um, does have a decent breaking ball and a decent changeup for me. The thing with him is, um, when innings tend to go bad for him, he has a hard time reeling it in. I did see some unfortunate, like signs of frustration in the body language last year on the mound. Um, so you always worry about that. He's a good kid. I talked to him a couple of times, but you know, you want to see him be able to kind of hold it together on the mound when, when you know he might get a blooper falling in or there's an error and and i'm not saying he blamed his teammates or anything or he was you know getting frustrated but you can just kind of see when when the wheel started turning it was hard for him to kind of grab control sometimes and that's just one area he needs to improve other than that i think he's got some some really good stuff and some untapped potential as a cold weather arm and then at 25 we have will benson an outfielder everybody knows about and a guy that has been dropping on our list just because uh, he hasn't corralled the strikeouts. He had a great year at Lake County last year and then struggled at Lynchburg, but, um, you know, did manage to take his walks. He's got speed. He's got power. um, Great arm in right field. Could play some center. Um, Personally, he's a kid I'm really rooting for. He's a great, great kid, uh, big, giant kid, and um, really hard worker, really great to talk to and had that, you know, the four home run game last year, which was fun to watch. I think he could be a really good player if he can really cut down the strikeouts and, you know, find some value in the major leagues as a, I mean, he could be a 25, 25 guy or 25, 20 guy, but I just don't know where at the bottom is with him because of the strikeouts, but I'm really rooting for him to put it together because he's got some really fun tools and he's a really good kid to watch and talk to.
1: yeah i I like benson as a player there's a lot of athleticism a ton of power there i mean i think you were there for that game when he smacked those four home runs that's impressive and that's a sight to see uh wish i'd been able to get up to lake county for that uh tons of athleticism strong arm i mean he's just what you want to see in an outfielder big corner outfielder i mean He's got the athleticism. He just has not translated the ability to put the bat on the ball. Um, if he does that on a regular basis and works the works the strike zone a little bit better, you know, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have to take some walks. He's gonna have to work the counts in his favor if he can and uh, see some more pitches, you know. But with his athleticism, I think there's possibility of a, at least a platoon bat there. And I and I haven't looked at his splits, but you know, maybe maybe that's part of the issue for him. Um, Sam Hinches, wow. according to Keith Law, he was 97 to 100. And so far this spring, I've seen him as high as 99. But he's had a, a bit of a jump. He was up to 97 last year, according to reports. I never saw him any higher than 94. I saw him a couple of times with Akron. Um, one night I, I watched him, he pitched 90-91, and I think he was working on the cutter. I couldn't really tell what he was throwing that night but I never saw anything higher than ninety ninety one, And it seemed like every pitch was ninety ninety one. And I was wondering where his fastball below was that night. Uh, it had to have been the cutter that, as you said, it, it's been inconsistent. I like that he's adding a pitch, experimenting with it. Now, Hentges is a guy that uh, didn't start pitching until he was a junior in high school. And he's from Minnesota. So you got cold weather arm, a young for the draft type of kid. And then he's also uh, had Tommy John surgery in the past. So he's missed a year of development. I've always thought that he was gonna take a couple of years either between Lynchburg or or Akron. Um, I saw the same thing with him when things were not going his way. The body language was poor, kind of looked defeated on the mound at, at times. And that's not what I wanna see from somebody that's as big and as imposing as he can be on that mound, especially with that type of velocity. Um, he looked a little frustrated. He, it wasn't about teammates or anything, just his body language, the way he carried himself, the way he walked, uh, the way he kind of handled his glove. You could see the frustration on the mound and, uh, you know, I mean, if he's going to end up in the bullpen and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does with that type of below in, in short stints, because he's had one ending stints in, in spring training and he's touching a hundred. Um, you know, I'm, I'm tempted a guy who has some control issues to throw him out there and see what he can do. Uh, I know he's got a break in pitch. I don't remember if it was his uh, curveball or if his slider was the better of the two. Um, (laughs) Scott Moss, he's, you know, he's boring back end type of back, back end of the rotation type of arm, you know, low 90s to um, up to 94. Somebody told me he touched 95 or 96. I can't verify that. I didn't see it and I haven't seen that in any reports, but that would be great if it's true. Um, slider looks like it's above average and his change has progressed. It's about average too. His control um, his control is off, but he's a guy that gets pretty good extension for his height. That's one of the things that really struck me watching watching him is how quick the pitches seem to come in on him. And I watched a fastball that was running in on a, a left-handed batter. And he brought it in at 90 miles an hour and I thought it was a lot higher than that. It, it just came in there real quick on him. Uh, Alex Free Plain as very toolsy type of outfielder. Uh, when the Indians signed him, he was about six foot two. He's another guy that, you know, a 16 year old, they're going to grow. He's six four, six five now. Um, they had him playing center field still, and he's showing above average speed. Uh, got a right field arm. He's got, I think, above average type, uh, above average to plus type of powers, power <laughs> too. So, You know, maybe there's something there. I know uh, Jason Panini from ProspectsLive.com liked him and had him pretty high-rated. Kai Tom, you know, I'm a little surprised he didn't get picked in the Rule 5 draft draft when he was exposed. A smaller guy from the University of Kentucky, uh, drafted several years back now. But uh, I think, you know, he is potentially a fourth outfielder and he's near ready as can be, I, I would say. But he's just a guy that needs an opportunity. I don't think he's going to be a great bat or anything like that, but I think he could just be a major leaguer that carves out a, a career five, six years career in the big leagues. Yeah, league profiles pretty as good as an up and down <clears throat> and extra
0: outfielder. outfielder bat. So we've run through 50 to 25. Um, we are up to – geez, who's going tomorrow? <clears throat> Carlos Vargas as our number 17 prospect, uh, that'll be up tomorrow. I believe you had the report on
1: Vargas. Yes, I did. Uh, I really like Carlos Vargas, uh, that when I saw him, I watched him a couple of times, uh, at Mahoning Valley and he was sitting 95, 96, his fastball plus plus to me, um, Commanded it well. I didn't see much of a changeup. I saw two or three that looked like were a changeup that he pushed off the plate. Didn't have a – he'd gotten on top of it. I think he was trying to put it down in the zone and got on top of it and pushed it um, out for a ball. And then his slider, it two-plane break, it can be pretty nasty at times. Uh, I mean, he's got potential for two-plus pitches. Uh, he's at the very least, to me, a, a potential um, – a potential back-end type of bullpen arm. There you go. There we go again. But uh, I like him as possibly. Yeah, he's, he's going to
0: be fun to watch. Time. I'm excited it to see him at Lake County this year. That long. Lake County rotation overall is going to be fun. Well, that's uh, about it for us. So whenever you're listening to this, uh, Wednesday, the 11th, would have been Carlos Vargas's day. He's number 17. So we are well on our way getting into the top 10 and the top 50 prospect countdown. Uh, so stay tuned for more of those. We'll have a few more of those unlocked for non-subscribers as well. Um, I'm not sure which ones those are going to be quite yet. I think we might do a couple in the top 10. I don't know if any more this week are going to be, but I I imagine a couple in the top 10 will be, uh, keep reading the Indians roster preview series. Wednesday will be Jordan Luplo. Um, we'll have those running all the way to the 24th every day. So don't forget any of that. I don't really have anything else other than just keep reading. Willie, do you have anything else you want to wrap up with?
1: Let's hope uh, the tribe can stay healthy through the rest of spring training and wrap a couple of these guys in Saran Wrap and and Bubble Wrap if they have to. And uh, let's bring them back up north healthy and look forward to a
0: yeah, Side Lindor, season, Ramirez, Reyes especially that, are having great uh, springs. So definitely want to get them back up here and 100% healthy um, because if those guys get off to great starts, then the Indians have a good chance to jump out of the gate without falling behind it and uh, be in a good position, which is what they really need because it's kind of a precarious year with the whole Lindor situation and not having a ton of margin for error and hoping the pitching stays healthy. So that'll about do us for this time. Yeah. Uh, what do you say next time out? We talk about prospects one through 24 and then, well, we might go ahead with a, a season preview because the next time we talk, it might be a week before opening day. If, uh, the weather allows and if, uh, world health allows, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sure I'll put that. If, if the universe allows the Indians to play opening day uh, in two now. weeks. So maybe, maybe next week we do the the, uh, the season preview and then and the, and the other half of the, the top 50. What do you think? All right. Well, from Willie, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening to Smoke Signals. Sounds we will get name. back at you next week. And then, as always, if we have some news, uh, any site news about the future of IBI, we will pass it along uh, as any detail becomes concrete. Thank you for listening and uh, stay healthy.